We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to episode 552 of the Barcelona Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Jim Hilton, and as you can hear, I'm not close to sounding okay yet, but Barcelona keep on playing, so that means that content keeps on being made. So without any help for the five headlines, you know, that's usually just solo, help should be back on the way for a second guest podcast, actually in a few hours. But without any help for this one, I'll just have to ask for a subscribe, or a good podcast rating, or joining Patreon. By the way, thank you so much to all the new and old Patreons. You always know that I like to give you a little TMI. So this is the most support on Patreon that I've ever received on that platform since we started it six years ago. And while those who've been following the last few months and more close to a year, you know that things behind the scenes haven't been working great. So to see all that support from Patreon to pick up the slack has been really awesome, and I do appreciate that. And then, of course, the easiest way to support the show directly to me is with the merch store. All right, so my voice won't survive any other preamble. So here are the five headlines from Barcelona's 1-0 win against Osasuna. Headline one is all eyes on Xavi. Now, after the podcast I released yesterday with Sam Marston, and I do recommend that as instant listening if you haven't heard that, but you're seeing these five headlines or listening to these five headlines, because that was just a full 50-minute conversation about Xavi up to this point, about what he has left to do this season, and about the potential replacements, at least at this point, here in January. Because over the last now, what, 48 to 72 hours, I have heard nothing but negativity. And I just don't mean from Barcelona fans. I'm actually talking about me searching for candidates or hearing any good news. It seems like the more digging you do, the more you hear from international and national journalists in the area, it just seems to be more and more doom and gloom. That not only is Barcelona going to have trouble finding a manager, because on yesterday's show, again, little spoiler here, we kind of blew up the idea that it's Barcelona. Managers will believe in themselves that they can be the guy to fix the problem. Not say that Xavi was the problem for the future manager, but the future manager is going to say, I am the difference. You're not a top manager at a top club if you don't have the same self-belief in yourself that the players do. So the idea that this Barcelona job isn't an attractive job, that's not something I believe in. But Barca having the budget to actually bring somebody in and somebody's going to ask for substantial money because if you count Xavi because Barcelona's a big job, in that same pantheon of Klopp and Gordior, Teta and Ancelotti. And by that, I mean not by their winning and losing. I mean by the status of the job and all that stuff. He makes almost 25% 
That being Xavi takes home 25% of the money that all the other guys I just named make. So in terms of who Barcelona can actually afford, it's not even the players, it's the manager as well. So with all that said, it's been a lot of negativity. And coming back to this, because the Xavi talking point will continue on, but coming back to this game, I wanted to see, and I think everybody did, and I think Xavi did too, a response from the team after what has been a very emotional few days. Almost at a point in hindsight where if I was Xavi, I would have almost waited to make, if I knew over the summertime even, and I think that's a little more tongue-in-cheek because winning would have changed that. He signed the extension and all that. But I think if you had known even since the Spanish Super Cup in weeks, I would actually wait to a week when you don't have a midweek game. So the, the team can almost be bummed and sad and kind of deal with it for a few days emotionally. Instead, he announces it on Saturday after the match. And now you're already playing again midweek. And I feel like this team still looked like a team that was tired and broken down even emotionally and physically and almost ill-prepared to give a physical and emotional response. And this is also in front of a rough crowd at Montjuic that because of the time of the game, we're just getting out of work. And a reminder that it is a hike up that hill and it is a midweek game, as I already said. So not the best crowd to kind of have this emotional response. Maybe out of necessity, Xavi still showed some bravery in the starting lineup, or at this point with Lamini Mall, we're almost getting to hubris. I'm going to talk about him later, but Pau Gabarsi, I don't really have any notes because it was just a sturdy, good performance. I'm glad the kid finally got to be a part of a match where a clean sheet happened, and hopefully the first of many in his Barcelona career. Another day, while I don't necessarily have too many positive notes for him, Gabarsi had a defensive job to do because the five at the back and then the two coming up through, especially with Budimir, Pau Gabarsi is going to have his hands full on the day. So I'm glad that he was able to focus almost primarily on defending. And against, again, that five at the back and the medium to low block that Osasuna was playing, it was on the attackers to guide that attack forward. And when he could pick out a progressive pass, he did. So good day for Pau Gabarsi. And it's nice to see that Xavi, even out of necessity, at least the 17 on the out of trust in Pau Gabarsi, did not let him down. I wanted to see something similar that Xavi did in the 2-0 win just a few weeks ago in the Spanish Super Cup. And you got similar vibes too with the starting lineup. It was a 3-2-5 with Gundogan ahead of Pedri, which is something we've spoken about in the last few weeks that has now been a change. The fans on social media were calling for it. It seems like Xavi has taken the bait because now it's Pedri deeper, Gundogan farther forward. And it will always be an argument. I'm going to talk about this a little bit in the five headlines, but this is not a perfect solution. There are people who are fairly going to say Pedri needs to be farther forward because of what he contributes in the final third or what he contributes in progressive ways. And Gundogan, in terms of buildup, you want to have him there. And the flip side of that argument is those who were the ones calling for this thing, where Gundogan, play him where you played for Man City. Pedri, I know you lose a little bit about him going forward, but he does have an ability to pick out these long-range passes in deeper positions, so you trust him in those spots too. Consentle then way high on the left, and Xavi did get it right, anticipating a similar Osasuna from the Spanish Super Cup, a 5-3-2 while defending. This is what Osasuna was going to do, and fortunately for Xavi, they didn't change it up. That's what they delivered. Headline 2 is down to 12. Here's where the negativity, not to say that Xavi deciding to leave on Saturday wasn't negativity enough, but big negativity coming. Fifth minute, Ferran Torres goes down with a hamstring injury. The tears, the hamstring injury, the look on his face. I recorded this and then had to edit it later after I was doing a few broadcasts, but as I'm recording this, we don't know about Ferran Torres, but the guess would be three to four weeks. That's what hamstrings are. So 
Ferran Torres goes down, which is frustrating, especially when you lose that player in this game that's going to run in behind. And when you've got a bunch of teams on the schedule, too, with Alaves up next, who you would love to have a runner like Ferran Torres in those half spaces. It's the new number 16, Fermi Lopez, coming on to replace him. I know that Vita Roque thought he was coming on, so maybe some wires were crossed at that point. I don't worry about that with young players. Fermi Lopez, I thought, was actually the right choice even to come on. And while it might not seem like he would help against the high line, he immediately interjected something into that game. The idea that he was playing as a midfielder, that's not right. He was playing just underneath Lewandowski up there on the left. And a credit to Lewandowski. Before I take away this compliment, and you know, Neil Anzo Samina had a good point that the bar was pretty low at this point now for Lewandowski and good performances. But I will say it from the opening whistle that he did look lively early, especially when Fermi Lopez came on. Lewandowski had a stretch where he worked out to the right wing, had a good movement on the ball, and then a minute later came back in on the other side of the field as a port bar said getting out of trouble, got taken down by Unai Garcia, who picked up a yellow. That pays dividends for later. Then, again, moments after, a near-post run for a Cancelo delivery. But then, now this is where the compliment pseudo gets taken away, the rest of the Barca attack came grinding to a halt by the 25th minute. Just a complete lack of movement by that point in the game. Not enough verticality against that 5-3-2 of Osasuna. Only Fermi Lopez seemed to be doing almost any of the work offensively. It was either him into the half spaces or Laminia Mall 1v1. That was about it. And on the other side, Barcelona showing a little bit of cracks here. As I mentioned, Kubarsi had to deal with Budimir. And a moment after that, it was Budimir getting the best of Kubarsi. But fortunately, Barcelona survived it. And I think more importantly for Kubarsi's confidence, he survived it too. This headline is down to 12 because for those counting at home, because Fermi Lopez took the number 16 shirt, they were up to 13 first-team players. And remind you, in totality, they registered just 19 first-team players to start this season. So Fermi Lopez brings the number back down to 12 when Ferran Torres went down. So that number went up to 13, back down to 12. Just 12 first-team players. I cannot think of a time while covering this team in the last decade. Somebody could correct me on this. When the last time that your first team squad, and I, and I want to think too that registration has changed a little bit with the Youth Academy. I'm not sure the rules around that and when those things would have changed, but I guess since we've had the rules in the legal registration that we did, this might be the first time that you've had 12 first team players available. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts 
so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Headline three is Fermi Lopez Energy. 27th minute, Lamina Mall with the delivery. Fermi Lopez the run into the box and forcing Osasuna to get it right. I'm just mentioning positive signs here and good moments in the game because it was a pretty lackluster first half as I already set up. And this is where I'll talk about Lamina Mall because how much more can you ask of Lamina Mall now at this point? I just mentioned the 12 first team players. He is not one of those. And I wish that he was also not needing to be played like a first team player. I was pretty comfortable, and I hope Rafinha comes back soon, but I was pretty comfortable with the minutes that Lamine Jamal was playing earlier because in that limited time, he had the best dribble success rate, that being 71% or 70.6% in Europe's top five leagues this season among players who have attempted 50-plus dribbles, and keeping him with that small sample size, allowing him to come on, inject energy, and be just a 1v1 option, go out, have some fun, kid, that is what I wanted to see from him this season. Now you're getting to a point where not only in that last game against Villarreal were you putting the responsibility of the offense on him almost in totality, but I'm concerned not only about his injuries this season, but what will these minutes do for him in the long run? I said 2,000 minutes, that's where I wanted him. And now he's played 90 minutes in three straight matches, which I think is too much. I do not want to see this kid starting against Alaves. And I know it feels like he has to because what are your other options? If Cancelo, we don't know about his status after this game and your only actual first team forward at the moment with Shao Felix having gone down since I spoke to Sam Marsden like 36 hours ago, that means that Vita Roque, who's not yet ready for 90, it seems like too, in terms of his match fitness, that means that you only have Lewandowski. Really, truly, as your only 90-minute registered first team forward. And oh yeah, he's 35 years old. And I don't like to just throw out problems without giving solutions. You know that. So I think Pau Viter, and I know that you don't want to take him away from Rafa Marquez, but cry me a river, there's 12 first team players available. So I actually would like to see Pau Viter. And I know Mark Yu had the fever. So I actually might start Mark Yu against Alaves on that left wing alongside Lewandowski. But if Mark Yu isn't ready and... Vita Roque, you still want to keep him off the bench. I actually would throw a start to Pau Victor and just kind of put him out there to work hard, come from the wing as he does for Rafa Marquez's squad. And you do that just to rotate Lamini Mall because I think Vita Roque then would have to start on the right wing in that situation unless you're going to start Kinsella on the right wing and you start Hector Fort behind. I mean, you got to start at least a bunch of kids. That's why Fermi Lopez was registered with the first team so that you could put another youth player in the team so they can all be on the field at the same time. Let's get back to the game here, though. 35th minute, Kunde header from the corner, an outswinger from Gundogan that Kunde probably could have gotten even cleaner. And Osasuna, as bad as Barca had been in the game, were also not good. It was a failure on them to mark their zones. If you're going to zonally mark on corners, then you got to get it right. Both Kunde and Lewandowski were in space and a number of times you felt like Barcelona could have got one from a set piece. And really, that was their best way forward in the first half. 37th minute, Fermi Lopez, another run into the half space working with Cancelo. But the keeper came out to meet him. And you do lose something with Kunduan not making those similar runs into the half space on the right side to give Lamine Mall more space. And as good as I think it is that Xavi is switching up his ideas of Kunduan playing farther forward for Pedri, 
it didn't really work so much against that low block of five in the first half. And to add to that point about Gundogan, and almost to defend him, he had one forward pass in the whole first half, picked out a good for me Lopez run to start the second. Lamini Mall got a shot on goal. But to end that first half, and even to start the second, this team looked tired. And I, I put Gundogan almost top of that list and almost in defense of him. You could see it near the end of the first half. This team was so, so, so stationary. And outside of Fermi Lopez, who's been waiting his turn on the bench for the last few weeks, and this is just his style too. He's 20 years old, comes out like he shot out of a cannon. But aside from him, and then Lamini Mall kind of just waiting patiently on that right wing, and Kunde because he was worried about defending in that 3-2-5, not making overlapping runs because he didn't want to get that space in behind exposed. And you also don't want to leave Pau Gabarsi over on an island too. So Kunde was playing in that three at the back, not making overlapping runs. So Minimal just kind of standing there waiting for that switch of play so he could go 1v1 and wait for the help so that you unpin that. And Barcelona were just slow to move the ball then horizontally as well. But earlier in the season, when you could look down Xavi's bench and say, hey, why didn't Xavi throwing this guy on or playing this guy? You look up and down that bench. And again, it's no disrespect to... Une Hernandez, who came in for Mark Yu on that bench, but the options were far and few between for FC Barcelona. He couldn't even rely on Sergio Roberto to be healthy enough to be thrown into a game like this. Headline four is Vita Roque gets his first. Fortunately, he could look down the bench and the Brazilian Tigrino was ready to come in the game. 62nd minute is when Vita Roque enters, comes in for Fermi Lopez, and I think, yes, the knee-jerk reaction is you're making your first sub, well, second sub actually of the game, but you're making your second sub. Why is it the guy who came on for the first sub, the one coming off? And while it felt like an interesting choice for a knee-jerk reaction, I think the minute I took a breath and thought about it for a second, Fermi Lopez has not played many minutes recently, and he ran more than anyone on that field. And he did come in in the fifth minute, which is basically a start. And he ran more than anybody else on the field since he had come on the field. So don't think of it as he came in as a sub. Do almost think of it as if he had started the game and he's coming out because he didn't have anything left in the tank because he is not 90 minutes match fit. He hasn't been playing with Barca Athletic. And so Fermi Lopez wasn't prepared to play 90 minutes in a game like this. So Vita Roque comes on for him, injects a similar kind of energy, and within moments of being on the field, scores his opener for FC Barcelona. Congratulations, Vida Roque. That's where we begin. As has been the theme of Vida Roque, I don't care how much Xavi's playing him, or I'm not worried about his confidence. I'm not worried about anything. It's about just getting him slowly integrated into the team, and anything he gives you is awesome. So the fact that he scored his first goal before the month of February, so within weeks of being at FC Barcelona, is awesome. And this was a really good goal, too. One where I said, why can't it always be this easy? It's Pedri to Vita Roque, then one touch to Lewandowski, to Gundogan. Yeah, you need a little bit of luck of that too, but actually, no. What am I saying? I expect these players to be good enough where with that one-touch football, sometimes it works. Other teams can do it. So can Barcelona. You almost expect it of them. So this is all one-touch stuff. Pedri to Vita Roque, to Lewandowski, to Gundogan, right down the middle. And once you've opened up a defense through the middle of the field, now you've got the width working for you as well because now they've been drawn in narrow because they've had to collapse on that one-touch passing. So Lamini Mall was also strong when the ball went out to him to keep possession, kept his balance, and goes quickly to the other side. De Young to Cancelo, then the outside of the boot cross. This is what Jao Cancelo are for you. They've got 10 of 10 class when they want to show it. 
but they show it on one of 10 occasions. And this is one of those occasions, 10 of 10 class from Cancelo on this outside of the boot cross to Vita Roque to the near post. And he scored a bunch of goals like this too when you watch his highlight reels for Atletico Paranese in Brazil. Near post run, just flicks it on. And these are the goals I think you're going to see most often, at least for the next year or two for Vita Roque. This is his bread and butter, and I'm glad this is the way he scored it because this is something that he can now replicate. It's also cool too because you saw what it meant to the kid. Tears in his eyes, and at least the one thing I will remember this season by is that the kids continue to deliver some of the only good moments this season, whether it was Mark Yu against Athletic Club, and it was Mark Yu in the Copa del Rey, and Vita Roque now, and Lamini Mall, and Hector Fort, Pau Gabarzi. The kids are all right. That's the only silver lining I have for this season. Headline five, protecting with 11. Yeah, I mean, silver linings is that Barcelona won the game. That's another one here. 67th minute, second yellow for Unai Garcia as he pulled down Vita Roque. And some space did open up after that great. Lamina Mall, unfortunately, had it saved twice on the counter. And then Vita Roque was definitely pulled down by Toro. That's a penalty. That's wild that this wasn't called. And I do throw my hands up here because this is not this whole thing about conspiracy and Real Madrid. I'm tired. I know I'm going to get pushed back here that this is some grand conspiracy. It felt at the moment just more bad refereeing in the Liga, but I throw my hands up. If I'm a Spanish ref in the Liga, and I'm not talking about the Barcelona game, I'm talking about almost any non-Real Madrid game this week, that if I'm a Spanish referee and I have this kind of penalty 50-50 after everything for Real Madrid this week, just I give a penalty. I don't know, man. Just save your bacon and... You know, because after this one, I totally understand that the conspiracy heads, you've got a point. There are reasons to argue after that. That was one of the worst ones I've seen this entire season. Maybe the worst one I've seen. I I need to go back into my notes, but that might be the most egregious one I've seen all season. It's a joke. 76 minute, Raul Garcia just missed the equalizer. It probably should have been the equalizer too. Raul Garcia, a simple run of the half space. Araujo coming over, but the shot was off just wide. And Inaki Pena was forced to make a save a minute later. It's exhausting to be a Barcelona fan. Really, it truly is. 77th minute, Pedri out for Oromeu. Only three subs due from Xavi, but limited small bench. One in three windows. And again, I know you want to see even more kids like Unai Hernandez. I know people are calling for Daniel Rodriguez to get a call up because he is a winger. And maybe with Ferran Torres out, maybe Daniel Rodriguez is the next in line. But he is just starting to get called up by Rafa Marquez's team because when your kids from Barca Athletic head up to the first team, that means that the U19 players and head up to Barca Athletic, and he is just kind of one of the U19 players breaking in there, but now he might get another boost up to the first team because of the lack of players. Just because they're on the bench, I want to remind you, there is a limit to how many kids you can play at the same time. So Xavi's at a point where he says, well, I have to have Lamine on the field. I have to have Kabarsi on the field, or I have to have Hector Fort on the field. So you're limited with the number of youngsters you can put on the field all at one time. So now you're picking between them, even though Dinari guys might be a good option You'd hope that you could get something from the first team for it. I mean, Pau Victor, same thing. Barca Athletic, he doesn't count as the first team player either. So he doesn't really solve any problems either. 79th minute, Lewandowski's goal called offside. Vita Roque feeds him, but Lewandowski was clearly offside on the run. 89th minute then, a run through a crowd from Cancelo, who got the worst of it. Hope he's okay after that. And then Vita Roque, 92nd minute, another argument that he was brought down. It was outside of the area, so no penalty. But I don't know why they didn't call a foul. It's definitely a foul. And Barcelona should have a PK from right outside the box. And then a foul gets called on the other side of the field for a final delivery. I'm not making an excuse. Araujo, don't bring him down. Just shepherd him out of bounds there. What are you doing, Araujo? But that leads to really nervy moments late. And then the opposing goalkeeper, Ada Fernandez, almost got on something from the corner. But 
Fortunately, Barca survived all of that. And yeah, a bad day in the office for everybody. For Barcelona, for Xavi, for Osasuna, for the referees. But one nothing. Barcelona survived it. You survived it. And somehow my voice survived it too. So survival, I guess, is the name of the game after this one. And I'm going to have another podcast with a guest to help me out with it in the coming hours. That'll be out likely late Thursday or potentially even Friday based on what we talk about. And so if you don't want to miss that, follow along on the podcast apps wherever you'll see a podcast or subscribe to the YouTube channel and put on those notifications, that little bell, so you don't miss anything. Most importantly, thanks so much for whatever graspy voice that you had to listen to this whole time. But thanks so much for listening to the show. Until next time, talk to you soon. Support the Barca. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.